The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Well, Merry Christmas to you again. If you have your Bibles with you, would you please open up to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It's the classic Christmas text. Um, you can look it up on your phone. If you don't have a Bible app on your phone or your Bible with you, in the seat in front of you, underneath that seat, you will find a black hardback Bible, and you can turn to page 805, and you will find this text there on the page in front of you. So Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm going to read these verses to us, and we're going to eventually get to the place here where we look at specifically verses 8 through 11, and that idea of what the angel of the Lord says to the shepherds when he talks about this good news of great joy and this idea of a Savior that is being born, okay? So this is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Listen to what Luke recorded for us so that we could know with certainty the events surrounding the birth of the Savior you and I need. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 reads starting like this. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And this is what we're going to be digging into here, all right, for the next couple of minutes. I'm going to pray for us. I'm thankful that you made it uh, out here tonight. I'm hoping the rest of your guys' weekend is time well spent with family and friends. But I'm most excited tonight to be able to talk to you about Jesus. This is the reason why we're here tonight. We want to hear about Jesus, sing about Jesus, celebrate the good news of this Savior who has been born for us. This is the good news of Christmas. So what you don't need, though, from me is just 20 minutes filled up with John Davis talking. What we need is the spirit of the living God to speak through me so that my words will pierce our hearts and help us to consider not only the good news of Christmas, but what we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes, which is the bad news of Christmas. 
So we're going to pay, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help us to pay attention, to understand these words, and then we'll get into our text, okay? So if you would, just pray with me. Father, we are here to celebrate the first coming, the advent of the Son, God the Son. That Bethlehem baby born in a manger. Our aim is to put the spotlight on him for the next 20 minutes. To celebrate who he is and what he accomplished on the cross. Father, we don't need to just hear from me tonight. We need you to empower the words that are about to come from my mouth so that when we leave here tonight, what we can say is we met with the living God tonight because the words of the living God were proclaimed and empowered by the Spirit of God. So I'm asking that you, Holy Spirit, would do what you love to do, fill and empower right now so that the spotlight is put firmly on Jesus Christ and that our hearts and our minds would be fully engaged with the truths we are about to hear and so that we would leave tonight rolling into the Christmas weekend unable to forget the good news of Christmas the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So Holy Spirit, fill and move. Have your way during this time. It's in the name of Christ Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So think about this. Maybe you've endured one of those awkward moments, and I'm just assuming that this is not just uh, something that is unique to maybe one of us or just a particular family of us, but my guessing is at some point in time in your life, You've endured one of those awkward moments, one of those awkward moments when friends you haven't seen in a while just sort of magically show up out of nowhere, banging on your door. They've come, they've come to you for a visit. Or perhaps it's those distant relatives that you haven't seen in a while show up unannounced. There they are knocking on the door and you're glad that they're there, right? You're totally glad that they're there. You're absolutely stoked to see them, but it's awkward because you would have at least have liked the luxury of knowing they were coming so that you could have prepared for their arrival. After all, most of us do not like being surprised by someone significant showing up unannounced. If someone significant is going to show up, we're hoping that we can be prepared for their arrival. Now, when you think about this idea and you lay it on top of the Christmas story, what we can do is this, is you and I can rejoice Because Jesus Christ, who just happens to be the most significant person in the world, he did not show up to earth unannounced. The events that we just read in Luke chapter 2 didn't just happen on the spur of a moment. They didn't just come out of nowhere. These are events that were announced that would happen so that people could be prepared to meet the Savior that they need. If you were at church this past Sunday, at least at Delta, one of the things that we talked about, the big point that we stressed was this idea, is that Christmas is God keeping his promise. If you travel back in your Bible, you go back as far as Genesis chapter 12 and start marching forward from Genesis chapter 12, what you'll find is that over and over and over again, God made a promise that a Savior would come and on repeat, the prophets 
over and over again, continued to remind us that the prophet or that the promise that God made was not going to be a promise that would fail. Because God is not a lie-speaking God. God is a truth-speaking God. He's the promise-keeping God. And so one of the recurring refrains of the Old Testament centers on this very idea. It centers on the promise that God made to a man named Abraham all the way back, as I just said, in Genesis chapter 12. And what was this promise? The promise was this. Abraham, someone from you, a way off, far down the road, descendant, is going to come from you, and this descendant will be someone who will inherit the world This descendant will be someone who's going to bring blessing into this world. This descendant is going to be someone who will rule the world. That's a lot to put on one person, but what it did was it stoked the longing of the people of God saying, man, we cannot wait for this one to come because all they had to do in Genesis chapter 12 was look to their left and look to their right and see this. We need someone who can fit the billing of this. Sin has wreaked havoc on this world, and we need somebody who can come and rule. We need somebody who can come and inherit. We need somebody who can come and bring the blessing that was lost in the garden and restore things back to the way they were. And ever since Genesis chapter 12, marching forward on repeat, what you kept having from God's Um, God's communication to his people was this, this promise that I spoke will come to pass. This promise that I spoke will come to pass. It will not fail. It will come to pass. If you go down into the prophets such as Micah, what you begin to discover is that this Savior that was going to come, this one who would fulfill the promise that was made to Abraham, the prophet started to get very specific and very particular about this person who was going to come. For instance, one prophet named Micah prophesied that this Savior would be born in Bethlehem. He said, But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old from ancient days. Fast forward, you find another prophet. His name was Hosea. And Hosea foretold that this Savior would be called out of Egypt when he said, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Jeremiah picks up on some things and tells us that this son, this Savior, would be born in the middle of the worst kind of human suffering in Jeremiah chapter 31. The gospel writer Matthew says this was fulfilled when Herod came in and killed all the babies, trying to kill this one who would be the king of the Jews. One of my favorite prophecies concerning the birth of Mary's son is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, which is what we just read a little while ago, where the prophet specifically says, describing this son, describing this savior, of the increase of his government... And of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. And then if that was not enough, the God that we worship, speaking through the prophet, giving that extra stamp of sort of approval that this promise will come about, says this, 
Here's the guarantee that these things will come about. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If someone is zealous for something, sort of a word we don't use a lot. It's not jealous, but zealous. Someone who has a zeal for something has a burning, consuming compassion saying this thing will come to pass. Whatever it is that you are zealous for, the object of what you are zealous for, it's like saying it will come to pass. So there's this double down, the zeal of the Lord of hosts. I might make this come about, you know, if he's just feeling like it. It's not what he says. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, Christmas had to happen. Christmas had to happen because God said it would happen. That's what all the Old Testament promises are pointing forward to. It's like a big wide funnel starting in the book of Genesis. And as you keep marching through the Old Testament, you come all the way down into the Gospels, the four books of the Bible that talk about the life, death, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. It's like a giant funnel coming all the way down to these chapters, the birth of Jesus. And it comes to this point, and if there's just like one thing you could hang over the Bethlehem manger, it's this. There is no way we could avoid Christmas it couldn't be avoided why because God had promised that it must happen these prophecies they remind us that the birth of Mary's son is the result of the unstoppable zeal of God Christmas is all about keeping the promise that he simply said I am going to keep But here's what you need to understand. The promise of Christmas fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Listen, the promise of Christmas fulfilled in Jesus Christ is simultaneously both the absolute best news you could ever possibly hear and it is simultaneously the worst news that you could possibly hear. For God to keep his promise and fulfill it in the Lord Jesus Christ By bringing a virgin to have a son who is going to be the Savior, that should land on you as, yes, good news. And it should also land on you like this, oh no, incredibly bad news. Now you're up here probably hearing me speak and you're out there going, this guy's lost his, his off his nut. He's like, what's he doing? Christmas bad news? Yes, the implication of the Savior coming the good news that the angel of the Lord saying to the shepherds to have this idea of good news implies that there's some kind of bad news that means this good news that we're hearing is actually making that good news good news on one hand it's the best news Christmas is the best news ever because with the birth of Jesus this savior that you need the savior that I need he has come and he has come in order to save his people remember what we read in Matthew chapter 1 he's Emmanuel he's God with us but the idea behind the name Jesus is this idea of the Lord saves the Lord is my salvation he's the one who's coming to save So when you read the events of Matthew chapter 1, when you read the events of Luke chapter 2, when you hear the angels saying, guys, this is great joy, this is good news, this is mega good news for you, we're supposed to hear that and go, that's exactly right. We need this Savior 
that has finally come to save his people. If you remember, this is what the angel was saying, right? Keeping watch over their flock by night. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. What's going on in Bethlehem? A Savior has been born. In other words, on that first Christmas, Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem, if you were to bend your knee and you were to peer into the manger, what you would discover is the mystery of all mysteries. On that night, that first Christmas, what you would discover is that God lay in that manger. It's mind-boggling. God lay in that manger. God the Son had put on human flesh. God the Son had come to earth in the form of a baby. The king in the lineage of David laid in a trough. The Lord of all creation was wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Savior of the world was being sung to by a mother. This is good news. This is the good news of Christmas. But I propose to you that what makes the good news of Christmas good news is the bad news of Christmas. And the bad news of Christmas comes rushing at us by asking one simple question. Why? Have you ever just asked why Christmas? Some of you are like, I ask why Christmas every January when my credit card bills start rolling in, right? Like why Christmas, man? Right, I'm broke and my credit card bills are huge. Why Christmas? I'm not asking about that kind of why Christmas, all right? I'm asking, have you ever thought about why Christians, the Christians in your lives, get so amped and so stoked about a little baby in a manger? What's that all about? Why would God do such a thing? Why do we get so stoked that God lay in the manger? That God the Son had put on human flesh? That God the Son had come to earth in the form of a baby? That the King and the lineage of David had finally arrived? That the Lord of all creation had come? The Savior of the world is finally here. Our hopes are wrapped up in Him. Have you ever just stopped and asked the question, why? Why did God do this? What would motivate him to go to the unthinkable extent of sending the second person of the Trinity into the world that he had created? Why? See, the answer to these questions is the bad news part of the Christmas story. Just think about it. Good news is only ever good news to people who know the bad news. So the reason why someone rejoices, if someone were to run in here and say, I've found a cure for cancer, good news, for the person who has cancer, bad news, that's really good news. If none of us have cancer, I mean, we're sort of excited, but we're not excited as the one who's about to die because of cancer. The bad news informs what becomes really good news. The reason why someone is stoked to receive $10, good news, is because they're flat broke. The person who's got a million dollars in the bank doesn't give 10 rips about giving 10 bucks, but the homeless guy on the street corner, when you give him 10 bucks and he's really down and out, he's really the least in the low, 10 bucks comes to him and he's like, yes, this is good news. Why is it so good news to you, man? Because I've got nothing. That's bad news. 10 bucks is phenomenal news. Good news is only ever good news to people who know the bad news. 
And the reason why it's good news that a Savior is born this day in the city of David, says the angel of the Lord, is because you and I need to be saved from something. So if someone has cancer, bad news, they need the good news of a cure. If someone's flat broke, bad news, they need the good news of 10 bucks. If someone comes in and says, I got good news for you, homie, a Savior has come. If you don't think you need to be saved from something, the good news of a Savior you don't really care about. Who needs a Savior when you don't need saving? It's like someone coming in through the doors and saying, good news, I've got a life preserver for you just in case you drown. And I'm looking around going, that's not good news. I'm nowhere near drowning, right? But the implication of the angel of the Lord saying, good news, great joy, Savior. The backside of that good news of Christmas is, homie, you need to be saved. You need a Savior. And that something we need to be saved from that something that the bible talks about that we need a savior to save us from that something is called sin sin is the bad news of the christmas story because of sin we're separated from god sin blinds us from seeing how spiritually dead we really are sin places us under god's judgment and sin leaves us hopeless Ultimately, sin is the enemy within, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a particular word right in there. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The enemy within, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's one, one persnickety little word in that verse right there that just doesn't let anybody go, and it's the little three-letter word, A-L-L, all. But what we do so often is we try to squirm out from underneath the all-encompassing nature of all. What we do is we hear someone like me say, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're like, yeah, that's true, not me, but for them. Somehow we don't want to see ourselves in the word all. But when the scripture talks about sin, it says it's the enemy from which you and I have no ability to rescue ourselves, which is why we need a rescuer. We've got no ability to save ourselves from this enemy called sin, which destroys and separates us and puts us before God in, in the place of judgment. That's why we need to be saved, because we cannot save ourselves. But here's the problem with what I've just said. The problem is that many of us are unconvinced that all really includes me. We are unconvinced that sin against God is our biggest problem. And instead, we are convinced that the biggest problem in our life is societal. We're convinced that the biggest problem in our life right now is political. Or the biggest problem in our life right now is relational or financial or any other number of things. But you are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, the biggest problem in my life right now is not sin. That's not my biggest problem. But I would beg to say the Christmas story argues with you to the, to the opposite of that. Remember little Linus in Charlie Brown? Doesn't he get up and he goes through this, this passage of Scripture in Luke, right? Luke chapter 2. And he gets up and he's talking about it. And we all know it. I mean, it's familiar verses there. The Christmas story says, actually, um, you need a Savior. That's why it's good news that he's been born in Bethlehem. You see, if you're like me, you have trouble believing this bad news that I fall into the all of all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is something we, we struggle with. 
If you're like me, you have trouble believing this bad news. When you do something wrong, you probably try to blame it on things. You try to blame it on stress. You try to blame it on sickness. You come home. You say, man, I, you, know, you may not use this language, but your life reflects um, a, a, a day of, of sinning. But you say, no, 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 it's my, it's my bad boss. He's the one who, who led me to do this. You might blame it on a troublesome spouse. You might tr- blame it on a nerve-wracking child. Or you might just try to blame these things on the generic pressures of life. And then when someone like me comes along and points this out, your initial response is to jump to your own defense. It's hard to believe that you're the sinner that I'm describing right now. Listen, I get it. But that's the blinding power of sin which keeps us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. Sin does not want you to see that all me. Which is all the more reason why we need the good news of Christmas. To every human being, sin is the ultimate undefeatable enemy. It captures and controls us, and there's nothing we can do in our own wisdom or strength to help ourselves. But with the birth of the Bethlehem baby, with the birth of the Bethlehem baby, God announced the arrival of the rescuer you need, and he announced the arrival of the rescuer I need. The message of Christmas is all about God keeping his promise to send the Savior we need. So if I can encourage you this evening, go home. Tear it up. Rip into the gifts. Enjoy time with family. Laugh. Have fun. Tear into the gifts some more. Eat way too much food for the 10th time. Go home and do these things, okay? This is good. But if I can encourage you also to do something else, let me encourage you like this. Go home and accept the bad news of Christmas. Accept the bad news of Christmas. The bad news of Christmas, that I am the sinner that should look into the Bethlehem manger, should look into the words of the angel who said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior you need has been born in Bethlehem. Those words, good news, on the lips of the angel of the Lord will become extravagantly good to you when you don't deny the bad news of Christmas but embrace the bad news of Christmas. So go home and embrace the bad news of Christmas. Friends, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And when you come to that place and God humbles you to embrace the bad news of Christmas, it will bring the Christmas story to light and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will become good news Indeed. So don't deny the bad news. Embrace the bad news. Let the bad news expose your absolute need for the good news that unto you in the city of David, a Savior, your Savior, has been born. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you move and that you work and that you um, lead us to see our absolute need our need for you. It is mystery of of mysteries. The second person of the Trinity, cloaked in flesh, lying in that manger.
but that mystery is absolute good news. So Father, would you do what I'm unable to do? I'm unable to make people think on these things. I'm unable to make them believe these things. But I'm asking that you, Father, would do by your great might and your great power is that you would just grip us with these truths. That while, yes, we are enjoying time with family over the next couple of days, we would also be gripped with the truth of the bad news of Christmas so that we would delight and praise and accept and believe and embrace the good news of Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's in the name of Jesus, our King, I pray these things. Amen.